Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm very glad you're with us today. We've had a number of practicing hypnotherapists as Seek Reality guests, and the most prominent of them has been the wonderful Peter Wright of Insights from Within. Peter was our guest really seven times in the past seven years, and I've twice done sessions with him myself. They proved to be immensely, immensely helpful. It was from Peter that I learned, actually, that hypnotherapy can work very well, and I've been curious to learn more about how other very good practitioners use hypnotherapy in their work of helping other people. So our guest today is a leading hypnotherapist who uses her skills in a lot of ways. Jill K. Thomas, CHT, is an intuitive hypnotherapist, clairvoyant reader, and a medium, and she's a vocal channel as well. Her passion is helping clients to move past limiting beliefs so they can discover their authentic selves and create a life of peace and harmony. Wow, that sounds good. Jill has helped thousands of people realize lifestyle and wellness goals that they hadn't been able to achieve in any other way, including losing weight, overcoming phobias, healing toxic relationships, enhancing athletic performance even. Boy, that's hopeless with me, but that's all right. And attracting prosperity and success. So we're going to be talking today primarily about Jill Thomas's recent book, which is called Tales from the Trance, The Strange, the Sad, and the Solvable. But Jill also has written a weight loss book called Feed Your Real Hunger, Getting Off the Emotional Treadmill That Keeps You Overweight. She's been a guest on many radio programs as she spreads the good word, and she writes a blog called Confessions of a Hypnotherapist. Her 30-day weight loss jumpstart CD has helped many people to finally lose the pounds even after many years of trying. It's Jill's contention that we block our own success. We'll have her talk to us about that. She says hypnotherapy can show you how to get out of your own way so you too can create the life of your dreams. Thanks to our wonderful friend Peter Wright, I realize that a good hypnotherapist can make a big difference in probably everyone's life, and now I'm really eager to learn more. So welcome, Jill. I'm so glad to have you with us today. I am so glad to be here. I love the title of your show, Seek Reality. I love the idea of seeking the real you, which is not the facade. I mean, everybody sees this outer version of yourself, but if you go deep inside, you get to see the real person. And I love that your show just talks about that. And I love the title. It's just awesome. Great. Great, Roberta. Love it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. What's great about the title is I can we can talk about absolutely anything on Seek Reality because in every area, we have all kinds of illusions and we're setting it all straight so thank you for noticing that so but let's begin now by talking a little about you what what's your history and what got you interested in doing this you know, I actually got interested in hypnotherapy when I, at my high school graduation, we had a we had a famous hypnotist, uh, Marshall Silver, came and made the most popular kids in school do some absolutely crazy things. And I watched this guy and I thought, I want in. I want, I want in. <laughs> if I could make all the top people do foolish things, then, you know, that's for me. I yeah, like, what can I make them do that would be good for them? Like, could I make myself lose weight? Wouldn't that be great? I just thought this was amazing. And so... I wanted to go take his class because he actually was teaching it at the time. But for some reason, my mother 
didn't want to let her 18 year old daughter run off to Vegas to take a class from some creepy hypnotist. So I imagine have, that. Imagine How could that. You be so closed minded. I know. Seriously. <laughs> so I uh, I had to take some. You know, way back when. I mean, I'm not 100 years old, of course. Uh, I was. <laughs> videotapes. I was buying videotapes on how to do it. And then I bought a whole bunch of books and I just, I thought this is so fascinating. And I ended up in a career in sales. And when you're in sales, and I'm sure there's a lot of salespeople listening or recovering salespeople, it's all about the mind, understanding what the client needs and what, you know, kind of how to push their buttons. But a lot of times when you're talking to them, you you get a sense that they really want to buy. You just have to help them see how they can justify the cost. And so I was learning a lot of really cool techniques in my little on the side hustle hypnotherapy training. And it was it was so much fun. I thought, you know, it could really help people with all kinds of problems. Wouldn't that be great? And, uh, you know, during the economic downturn we had you know, 10 years ago, and not to mention this one, but 15 years ago or so, I got laid off a few times. And I thought, you know, maybe I should just hang a plaque and people will pay me for this. And it was fun. That's how I got started. Wow. So this really was something that in high school you sort of decided on, which is kind of kind of early. I think that's great. What well, is I CH- stumbled what's, on. What's CHT? <laughs> Tell me what CHT means. Certified Clinical Hypnotherapist. Oh, okay. In it's words, interesting it's obvious what it means if you have to stop and think about it. You expect it to be more complicated than it is. Well, that's wonderful. So well, it's have- also, in California, we also have a CHT, uh, which is a colon hydrotherapist. So every once in a while, somebody mistakes me for somebody who does that. Oh, no. <laughs> so I don't, don't do colonics. But um, I, guess that's, I guess that's a problem. Yes. <laughs> Oh, my dear. All right. So, but now, could you tell us how hypnotherapy actually works? Absolutely. I would love to explain this because I think people are very confused by it. They think it's mystical or weird. And it doesn't help that I'm also a psychic and I'm also a medium. So that adds to the th- thinking that this is weird. But really, your unconscious mind is like, a, is like a digital recorder. It's recording everything that happens all around you all the time. And it takes that information and it turns it into habits. So, for example, I know somebody's going to cringe when I say this out loud. When you were a little kid, if you saw a spider and it made you scared, you may have created the belief that a spider is a very, very bad thing and that they're all bad. So if you see one instead of thinking, this is going to kill all the bad insects that are in my yard, you're thinking, oh, my God, this is going to kill me. And now you're afraid to go into the yard. Hypnotherapy actually helps you get into that unconscious state of mind where you actually created that belief, where those habits came from and make a different belief. So maybe not a spider may not be the best example. Let's say it's a dog. Um, you can recreate a belief that not all dogs are bad, maybe just the ones that bite. And so you can get yes. past the fear of phobia. Huh. Okay. So that helps with that. Now, but how, how would it change something like um, uh, for weight loss? I, I want to talk about that more later because I think that's a biggie. But how would it, how would it change that? Um, okay, I can give you an explanation on that one, uh, especially women will be able to relate to this. If any woman has ever at some point been sexually violated, and now we're getting into some deep stuff pretty quickly here, but if they've ever been sexually violated in any way, um, molested, sexually harassed, we can create an unconscious belief that maybe it was because of how we looked or our appearance. And so some people will actually put on weight, and this is very common, this is why I bring this up, put on weight as a form of protection. So there's a thought, it's unconscious. If it were conscious, it'd be easier to clear. But there may be an unconscious belief that if I weighed 
you know, larger amount, if I had this extra layer of fat around me, that I could protect myself from this thing that's already happened. So with hypnotherapy, you're wanting to help clear that unconscious belief so that the person can be their most ideal weight and feel good about themselves without that extra layer of protection. Does that make sense? It does. But what if you have not been sexually violated? What if, what if, for example, I could think of a couple of mm-hmm. of ways that this might might work. For example, what if um, you you had a wonderful mother that is your idol and she was overweight. You want to look like your mother. Or um, what if what if you love chocolate? Or I mean, I could see a variety of ways you could put on weight that don't have anything to do with trying to look unattractive. Can you can you help those two? Absolutely. So the example of your mother, I love that. That's a great example. It may not be as much I love my mother and I want to look like her as much as the family norm. So if the family norm, the mores of the family is to be uh, fuller figured, you might feel more comfortable being the way the other women in your family are. Because that's what you've modeled. Chocolate, I mean, nobody, there isn't anybody on the planet, and if you're the one person that doesn't, then I, you will take exception. But most people love chocolate. There's a physiological reaction to chocolate that's almost addicting. So yeah, almost. What's what's with this almost business? <laughs> so you actually, when you're doing hypnotherapy on that particular issue, we actually use an addiction model, the same model that we use for people who are addicted to illegal substances. Um, to help clear that, to, to help detach that addiction. It still takes some work on the, on the part of the client, so it's not entirely mental, but there is definitely a physical component with certain things. Chocolate, I'm also thinking sugar. I mean, absolutely sugar. Wheat for a lot Anything. of people. Yes. But, but there's uh, weight loss is a very complex issue, which is why I, I needed to write a whole book because I couldn't see clients necessarily for 20 sessions, although I really would like to, but so, you know, it's cost prohibitive for a lot of people. And there's... 20 or 25 different very strong issues that can cause somebody to lose, to hold on to weight. And if we're just one thing, it would be super easy. I would just see them once and they're, you know, they could go on their merry way. But a lot of times weight in particular is a complex of several very core issues that we want to look at. Not to mention that there's a physical component to it. Some foods are just highly addictive and it's hard to quit. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that's true. Um, so, all right. What, you're, you're talking about the effect it can have and, and the why, why it's a good tool. But, I mean, I thought I couldn't be hypnotized, and I think many people feel that way. And my, my dear friend Peter Wright, who I couldn't turn down because he's such a sweet person, told me he wanted to give me a session for free. Now, free is always an excellent price. Mm-hmm. So when I happened to be in California, I said, okay, Peter, I'll play your silly game, but I can't be hypnotized. And the next thing I knew, I was totally hypnotized. How? I mean, I didn't even want to be hypnotized. How, 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 why? How does it work? Can you give us any insights into why it works so well and so quickly? Even if it's you don't magic. want magic. <laughs> yeah, well, but, it's not magic. But see, the thing, the thing about it is, I, obviously, it is in a way magic um, because. I, I mean, for example, if I had because re- I just was reluctant to be hypnotized, uh, but. I didn't want. To, I didn't hate the idea. What if I had hated the idea? Could he still have hypnotized me? No. If you really didn't want to do it, you can't. Uh, I, some people argue that you could. And there's different levels of trance. There's ways of using manipulation. It's called neuro-linguistic programming, and I am not an expert on that one, so I won't explain that because I'll butcher the explanation on that. But 
there's ways of wording things that can elicit an emotional response, which is similar to hypnotherapy that can have a similar response. But I will, I will say people think that only unintelligent people can be hypnotized and the opposite is actually true. So you hypnotize yourself all the time. So when you imagine when you're focusing really intently on something and the whole world sort of disappears, that's actually the hypnotic state. And we go into that state of mind typically five or six times a day when you're reading an article. Uh, if you happen to be an engineer, engineers hypnotize themselves all the time. And it's just a very relaxed place. Your mind actually created this state to allow you to absorb information very, very quickly. So hypnosis is not, it's not weird. It's actually a natural state of mind. And if you're very intelligent, it's actually more easily, more easy to hypnotize a person. Does that make sense? Well, it's surprising. I love thinking I'm really smart. That's why he could do it. But, you know, with that thought aside, mechanically, I, I can't remember quite what he said, but he said a few things, and suddenly I realized that I really wanted not to be hypnotized, but I didn't seem able not to be. Does that make sense? It I, does, yeah. I, 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 I wanted to open my eyes, and I knew I could open my eyes, but then I didn't seem able to open my eyes. I don't know. I don't know. It was a weird feeling in the beginning. I got used to it. but And you also are afraid in the beginning of losing control. I think that's mm -hmm. a really serious, you know, what if I start doing embarrassing or saying embarrassing things? But I never felt out of control. What I did feel was that I was in deeper contact with myself than I ever had been before, When, especially since when we started talking about some specific things that suddenly I was aware of how to answer questions, which I really couldn't have answered before, that sort of thing. But you're saying what this is... So if if I'm really working intensely, it's the same the same thing. Only my eyes are open. Is that what you're Absolutely. saying? Absolutely. Yeah. And keep in mind too that you knew Peter and he was your friend and you trusted him and you wanted to experience this. And as soon as he started talking, it was pleasurable for you. It was enjoyable. Your body enjoyed, oh, this is relaxing. I love this. Yeah, been, yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you had been with somebody and you didn't feel comfortable with them, it would have been really hard to get into a trance at any in any level. Uh, and I've yeah, I've had clients like that. They I had a female client fairly recently who'd gone to a guy she just didn't feel comfortable with, and she was never able to really let herself relax because she didn't feel as comfortable in his presence as she should have been. So she ended up going to woman. It was very easy to hypnotize her. So just keep in mind that there's there's an element of trust that happened with your uh, your friend Peter. I think that's true. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. And so. So is everybody potentially able to be hypnotized? How many Absolutely. people, for example, have you not been able to hypnotize who have come to you? I have been able to hypnotize everyone. I will tell you that some people with certain mental illnesses, uh, and I hate the word mental illness because you know somebody who's bipolar is is not a bad person in any way. They're just wired a little differently than most yeah, people. But right. if they're bipolar right. or they have borderline personality disorder or schizophrenia, it can be occasionally more difficult. And it's it's not uh, that they can't be hypnotized. It's a, it's a, the technique is different. So you just want to make sure if you're bipolar that you go to somebody who specializes in bipolar. And there are some hypnotherapists that, and I even learned it this way, that you really that we can't hypnotize them. But it's not true because you, they can be hypnotized. It's just that you need to go to somebody who specializes in bipolar disorder. But having, having said that, anybody can be hypnotized. Huh, okay, well, that's interesting. All right. So uh, let's talk about your book. What what prompted you to write this book, Getting Off the Emotional Treadmill? Is that 
much of what you, oh, wait a minute, that was the wrong book. That's, no, they're both, no, I wrote them both. <laughs> I wrote no, them but both. I want to talk about Tales from the Trance. <laughs> I, had, I had both titles in front of me. Tales from the Trance is the new one, and that's the one I've read part of. Um, I didn't get to read all of it because your your publisher didn't want me to have more than 50 pages, but frankly, 50 pages was so full of interesting stuff that we have plenty to talk about. We can Yay. maybe talk about the rest of it later. But um, Tales from the Trance is basically the kinds of things you've learned about people from doing this work, right? And, yes. And, and the ways in which hypnotherapy can help people. What, what's the most amazing thing you've learned? I, the most amazing thing I've learned is that people all kind of want the same things. You know, I don't know if you got this from the book or not, but I've worked with all kinds of different people. I've worked with prostitutes. I've worked with professional athletes. I've worked with people in professions, that are people who are polygamous and polyamorous and interesting people. And you think, these people are so different than me. And But at the end of the day, they all want the same things. They want to be happy. They want their children to be safe. They want to feel loved. They want to feel accepted. They want to feel admired and respected within the community. And I wanted people to get that. Black, white, no matter what, we all kind of want the same things. And we sit here in this very polarized world right now, Democrats and Republicans. We don't sit at the same table. We don't even watch the same TV shows. And I wanted somebody to be able to see, look, we're all the same. We all want the same things. It's all about love at the end of the day. And I felt like if we could tell some of these stories of client experiences of people going in and being upset, uh, a child, I had a client fairly recently who was transitioning from male to female and they wanted help with the pronouns to be able to, to call them the right pronoun. He, she, they want to be able to say that right so that their child felt loved and respected. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is so cool. The world really is improving if a parent is wanting help with that because they know that this person that was born as a girl is going to be a girl in their mind for the rest of their life. So I loved writing this book and helping people see that we really are connected and we really do want the same things no matter how different we seem to be. What, what you say um, is that if, if you have issues, you may not even be aware that you have those issues. They may be a whole different issue that you have. Um, for mm-hmm. example, if a fear of dogs could be all kinds of things. And how, how did you discover that? Was this something that they taught you in Hypnosis 101 or <laughs> did you learn it from your, from your um, and, and talk a little more about that whole thing because I found that area fascinating that people think that they have this problem, but really, you know, they have another problem, which you then will help them with. Well, it's interesting because any hypnotherapist in hypnotherapy school right now, you should probably hear this. <laughs> we these classes a lot of times are taught by people who don't actually practice. And I remembered one time in weight loss, there was a whole section on weight loss that I was learning. And they were saying, you, you, you get sample scripts. You ask the client this question, and this is how they're going to respond, yes or no, or they're going to say it's this. And you discover when you actually start seeing clients that nobody ever responds the way the textbook says they're going to respond. And so you have to kind of learn to create your own thing. But the example that you just gave of the person who was afraid of the dog and then it turned out it was it was their father they were afraid of. Uh-huh. That was a, that was discovered by accident um, when I was just talking to her, and I was sort of feeling like this really isn't about the dog. And so when the client got hypnotized, and we worked on the dog, and worked in, and she just it didn't go away. But then 
when her dad called her on the telephone and she realized she wasn't tensing up anymore. She discovered that this was really about her father and being afraid of her dad. And she had associated this connection of a time when a dog had bitten her uh, and then her dad had beaten her up because she wasn't supposed to be near the dog. And so she had associated, oh, yes. it was, she had become afraid of dogs, but in reality, she was afraid of her dad. And so when we were working directly on this issue of fear of dogs and not getting anywhere, quite frankly, which was surprising to me because usually that's an easy one to get rid of, um, we discovered that there was this deeper thing. And that's what I like to do with my practices. I really do want to look at the deeper issues because you're, you can hack away at the branches of a problem or you can have hack away at the core root core. And if you go to the root core, you actually are going to solve the problem on a deeper level, which means you're going to solve the problem in lots of different areas. Because yes. what, was, what was also happening with her was that she was afraid of her dad, but she was having the same problems within relationships. She was afraid of men in general. Oh, no, really? Mm-hmm. And that all goes back to her dad, so you solved that too? We worked on that too, yeah, absolutely. But but it was because we were able to go from the dog, the dog brought her in, because she was afraid of dogs so badly that she wouldn't go into a grocery store if somebody parked their dog out front, which people do. Yeah. And so we, we start working there, and then it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And now she's able to have a boyfriend for the first time in a long time. So what brought her in was one problem. And now we're, we're working at the root cause, which is this deeper fear of, of men and this deeper trauma of having a father who's quite abusive. And it's all connected. So this is what I love about the weight loss issue is that it brings a lot of people in. But I've, as you, if you read the book, weight loss, the weight issue is not a problem. It's a symptom of a problem. It's usually a part of a much bigger set of problems. So when clients come in for that issue, then we're going to be looking at early trauma. We'll look at uh, abuse. We'll look at all kinds of things. And as far we'll go down as far down the rabbit hole as the client wants to go. Some people aren't ready. How would they know that that they weren't ready? I mean, uh, they they because. It may be it's very necessary in order for them to live a full and rich and happy life for them to address whatever it is that they don't want to address. How do you get them past that? You know, you don't. Sometimes people just aren't ready to look at things. If you start asking questions about somebody's relationship with somebody's dad, for example, if we're looking on weight loss and I'm asking, well, how was your parents? Well, you know, I don't want to talk about that. Okay, well, they're not ready. Yeah, they're not ready. That's okay. Then we'll just, we'll just okay. look at and that's totally fine with me. You know, I want them to be happy, but, but I can't force something on a client. If a client just wants to look at their chocolate addiction, doesn't want to look at how it's impacted, you know, where it came from, then that's fine too. That's where they are. That's okay. But do you find that they loosen up about it if you deal right with other issues? Yes, usually, usually. But then that's a trust thing too. You know, like you knew Peter you, because you guys had connected before that rapport doesn't always happen on the right away. It'll happen as the session goes by. And sometimes it's not the best fit. If they are not feeling as comfortable with the particular person that they're working with, um, then time, time will go by and they'll work a few more sessions before we'll get to some of those deeper issues. But also the person kind of has to be ready to look at those things too. Okay. You said that we are, we, we block our own, success yep sorry (laughs) well i think that's a liberating thought don't you (laughs) yes 
I, you have no idea. I hear from so many people every day. I get. I'm, I spend a good part of many days just answering emails from people, and I, I don't have your training, so I'm winging it a lot of the time. But that's all right. Usually, the questions are spiritual in nature. But um, that to me is a very important insight because I see people who do feel as if they have literally put themselves into a situation, painted themselves into a corner, and they can't see that they have. So please talk about that a little bit because I'd love to know how to help them better than I can. Oh, I love it. I love the idea. Well, let's let's talk in terms of money, for example. I read a study once, and I can't remember the exact numbers, and, and somebody's going to yell at, at the microphone because they'll know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> somebody knows what I'm talking about and knows the exact thing. But most people do not go outside more than 10% or 20%, I think, one of those numbers, of what their parents made financially. Really? Uh, accounting for because it's difficult for us to have a context. Now, it's kind of rare for somebody to switch from lower class to upper class or middle class to upper class. That's kind of rare. And the reason is because we don't have a mindset of prosperity. And I love to use the example of money because everybody wants more of that. Yeah, so <laughs> if, if you grew up, let's say, quite poor and you were around a lot of people, none of whom ever invested in the stock market, market, none of whom ever owned homes, some of whom may have even had the belief that people who own money were greedy and bad. Imagine yours, what life would be like if you started, suddenly started to have money. It would, could feel very uncomfortable. Now we think, why would I ever be uncomfortable? Somebody hands me a lot of money. I'm going to take this money. I'm going to have a lot of fun. But what if you didn't know what to do with it? What if you'd never seen anybody buy a house? What if you'd never seen anyone go to college? What if you got this money and you started to think, my family's going to come and ask me for money. Suddenly all of my friends are going to want money. I've never been around people who had money. You tend to stay within your social circle. You tend to stay within the family of origin. And because stepping out of that can feel very, very uncomfortable because now you're different. Now you're in a different place. So we will sabotage our own success to keep ourselves back where where it's comfortable, where it's safe. Um, I use an example in the book of a, a client of mine I had who grew up very, very poor. She was from Mexico. Uh, her mother brought her here when she was a little girl. She was she was legal. But what happened for her was that nobody in her family had ever even finished high school. And here she wanted to go to college. And she didn't know what to do. Like, how do you apply for college? How do you get, how do you pass the SATs? And her best friend's mother, her best friend was quite wealthy. And her mother dragged her with her friend to all of these SAT prep classes and paid for everything and made, made it possible for her to go. But if she hadn't, she wouldn't have had an example to follow. Yes. I can see that's very, very true. Um, I, I mean, I do know people who have become very successful from modest backgrounds, but you're right. That's more the exception. Mm -hmm. And every one of them is a very strong, assertive individual. I mean, if they lost their old, their, their old birth family, they'd find a new family, that kind of people. Um, it can be very hard to be that strong. It's very hard, and it, we will block it because we want to be safe. Um, in the case of my client who went to college, she actually ended up getting a master's degree. She had no Good family support. Well, yeah, she's like, once I was done with college, I was like, why not keep going? You know, I've already <laughs> like, gone way. Yeah, you just get stopped. Why? Why not keep going? But she said she didn't have support from her family either. They really were not encouraging her because 
well, how is she? She's stepping outside of the family norm. Who is she to think she can go off to college? Yeah. You know, she's Hispanic. Why, why would she do that? But, they, but it was something she was fighting this whole time. And it was interesting because there's a little part of her that wanted to be accepted by her family. But the other part of her said, forget it. I don't want to be poor like they were. I'm just going to keep going. And I loved it. It was awesome because that's the exception. Generally speaking, that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. So how do we help it happen more often? Let, let's you know. Let, let's let's because we do want everybody in the world. Never mind everybody in the United States. In the world, we want every child to grow up thinking they don't have a limit on their horizons. They can do whatever they want with their lives. Is there anything that we can do? It just in in the course of even maybe outreach, helping people to come to see that the, that anything really is possible if they want it badly enough. Is there anything we can do? I think part of the, the deal with with children is that they need to to have a little bit of their own chutzpah. They have a, a little bit of of power and say, be capable of looking at the beliefs that are handed to you from your family of origin, and then be able uh, to question those. So, okay. many of us, including myself, received religious training uh, that poverty was was something that was welcomed. God doesn't want you to be poor, but. You know, the rich people, what, what is it, something in the Bible about it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle? I mean, you know, God doesn't want you to be poor. Trust me. And neither does no, the church, really. Of but we have to be able to look at the beliefs that we were handed from our family and one by one examine them. Are people who are wealthy necessarily greedy? We have to ex- look at that because one of the things that can happen is you create this belief system around what rich people are. And then it becomes judgments. And you don't want to be something that your family judges as bad. So if your family of origin says that people who sell things are bad, people who are rich are bad, you may have to work on clearing some of those emotional beliefs and blocks so that you feel comfortable being in that nice, rich person crowd. So are you able to help people with this? So someone's listening and saying, Mm -hmm. you know, that probably is my problem because I went to college, but I just don't seem to make it be able to really be as successful as I want to be. How, what, what kind of help can you give people to, to break out of whatever this artificial cage is that, that some people put them at themselves at? I would have them start by looking at their, at their lives. Uh, I've had people can actually put a number usually on the amount. So some people will tell me, you know, I can't seem to make more than a hundred thousand a year. I can't seem to get past a 10. I do work with a lot of salespeople. I can't seem to get past $10,000 a month in sales. I can't seem to get past. You want to look at what that can't seem to get past number is. I've seen that myself. Yeah, absolutely. Our mind loves numbers. So we want to look at that. And we also want to look at our beliefs around money. So if you see somebody in a beautiful Porsche, instead of saying good for them, I want you to look at if you're judging them. If you're judging them, you need to look at that. I want you to look at how comfortable you are doing the things that rich people do to get money. Buying stocks, investing. I'm not saying do that right now. <laughs> but no, don't don't take me to do that. But, we'll but how comfortable are you in investing? The things that people do who are wealthy to get money, how comfortable are you with those things? How many friends do you have who are rich? If you don't have enough rich friends... You need to get some more friends because, frankly, most people do not go far outside of their social circle financially. And look at your friends right now. I bet if you really looked, you'd find that most of them are in the same financial position that you are. If you want to be in a different club, you've got to get more friends that are in in that higher level club. Now, no judgment either way, but that's where you want to play. If you want to play in that realm, you want to learn the rules of that game and you learn it by being around those people. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Okay, let's talk about fear, because one of the things that we talk about in Seek Reality quite a bit is fear. Fear is the lowest vibration uh, of consciousness, and if you're vibrating that low, um, you're often angry. Or, I mean, there's a lot of negativity that comes with vibrating in fear. And mm-hmm. I see that you deal with fear a lot, too, like the fear of dogs or the fear of, of, of uh, um, uh, spiders or whatever. But also, you talk about fear of flying or claustrophobia typically represents a loss of control, something totally different, which, which makes perfect sense. As mm-hmm. I think of it, it makes perfect sense. In either case, you can't get out of the situation. You're, you're helpless. So no wonder people are afraid. But what, what, what other thoughts do you have about fear and how to overcome fears? Well, one thing you just said I want to I add on to, uh, the fear of flying very common one. I figured out by accident that that was actually fear of losing control because when you start talking to clients who have fear of flying, fear of throwing up, by the way, is another one, then you discover that they usually have two or three of them at the same time, but they are only coming in for one of them. So most hypnotherapists don't dig deep enough to find out where else are you afraid of this? And that's when yeah. that's when I discovered it was actually fear of losing control, which very frequently is tied to uh, some kind of a, a violation earlier on in life. Not always, but often. So just to let you know. But fear is a tough one because right now, especially those that are intuitive, and I'm sure that 90% of your audience right now is very intuitive because that's the kind of people you would attract. They're going to be picking up on the the sort of universal fear. You are going to be picking up on the fear of what COVID-19, the fear that people have about the economy, social unrest, all of that is going to be things that your your listeners are going to be dealing with right now, and that's not even their own fears. So something I always tell people who are wrestling with fear and anxiety is, I hate to say that, don't watch TV. It's time to no, stop watching I haven't, this. I haven't watched TV in 20 years. I mean, TV, so I love TV. I'll be honest, I love TV. News, not so much. <laughs> no, no. I, 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 the, I love TV. What's beautiful is if you don't watch TV, you take back control of so much more of your time that you can do things with that really are enjoyable. Um, That's powerful stuff, what you just said. I love that. <laughs> no, it's I, great. I, Great advice. It becomes a habit. It's a habit. Well, mm-hmm. you know, we have dinner, then we adjourn to the family room, and we watch TV together. Or maybe we talk mm-hmm. the commercials. I lived like that with my husband for many years, and suddenly I realized it was a horrible waste of time. I mean, he wasn't a waste of time. Yes, doing that was. And when I changed what I was doing, that one little thing, it made it possible for me actually to do the work I'm doing today. That's how much time I got. Love back. it. One thing I want to say about TV, and I. I will tell you, I love TV. I do not like the news. But uh, you, you don't realize how much you're being influenced by the media until you stop watching it for a couple of weeks. So when you're, you don't realize when you're watching movies, you're being influenced by what you're seeing, imagery, which That's is kind cool. of what we do with hypnotherapy too. But when you step away and you stop watching and listening to commercials, you start to discover your own opinion on things outside of the influence of yes. companies that are trying to sell products. You have to keep in mind, obviously, the news is trying to sell news. Uh, commercials are trying to sell product. And so many commercials are embedded within our television programs right now place product placement that even tv is now trying to sell product so what's going to sell product fear i'm afraid i'm too fat if i'm too fat i'm never going to get married if i don't have this bra special kind of bra nobody's ever going to want to marry me and then i'm going to be miserable and unhappy with 25 cats and die you know alone (laughs) right oh my heavens if you want to sell something you need to make somebody afraid of not having it 
Yes, and and I think what got me too about TV was the news is expert at making people fearful. This it was true yeah. twenty years ago when I, when I watched watched my last program. It's still and, true. And, I mean, it was like special report. You know, uh, I don't know. It's Thursday, but when it didn't have to be anything big. But they made it at. It seemed like it was something alarming that was happening, and usually it was nothing. And uh, I got so I. I was all hyped up on artificial fears, and I think many people feel that way, but they don't even realize the source of it. The source of it is television. Yeah. And keep in mind, and I'm not, I don't want to say that the news is bad. I mean, I don't watch it. I don't recommend it. But you keep in mind that they're trying to sell a product. I used to be in sales. I had a job to do. I, would, I didn't use fear as a tactic because I just didn't like that idea. But Keep in mind, they're just trying to sell something. And so if you're trying to sell something and you're representing your company, this is how you would do it. You sell it by making somebody think that if they don't have it, something bad's going to happen. If you're trying to sell airtime, you're wanting to, what is it? If it bleeds, it leads. You want to throw that on the news. And so people get a skewed perspective on what's really going on with the world. And I, I love this example with COVID-19. I don't mean to diminish what is going on in any way, but I will tell you that when you announce that there's one person in the city of Encinitas, where I live, that's got it, uh, and then you discover, if you really looked, you could see there's like 75,000 people living here. I mean, that's, that's really not that many. I know. It's like, what, your odds are more likely to be being hit by a meteor, for heaven's sake. Or, or bitten by a shark, which, by the way, did recently happen off the coast oh, of Vincent. But, you know, you, you just have to kind of put it in perspective. And the news's job isn't to do that. They don't do that. They, maybe they did a long time ago, but they don't do it now. Yeah. So, you know, you just have to understand what you're being fed and how what you're being fed is trying to create it has a narrative. So I do always recommend reading books because there's no product placement in the books. Actually, that's not true of self-help books now, but we can talk about that separately. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> but, but, but everyone, just to finish the thought on, mm -hmm. on fear, um, what is the institution by far in the, in, in the world that, is, that most needs fear in order to survive, needs to instill fear in you in order to survive? It's religions. Because if they don't make you afraid, being a good God-fearing person, you may or may not choose to go to church, and you may or may not bother to put anything in the plate. But if they can make you feel fear, fearful enough and guilty enough, you're, you're there. Um, that is the single biggest problem that people have uh, who come to me saying, you know, I finally understand. I, I, need, I can't be spiritual and, and stay in this church. And, and it's, I think, just starting. But I think that's why the churches are emptying out. People are tired of being given all these fears when, in fact, there is nothing, nothing to fear. God is only love. Mm -hmm. and not, no, that's, so, so what, we're, what we're hearing here is that this is a very old form of sales, um, uh, salesmanship because uh, they've been, Christianity at least has been instilling fear in people for the past 2,000 years, whereas none of that fear, of course, comes from the teachings of Jesus, which he told mm -hmm. us we're all that matters. It should be all that matters in Christianity. Sorry, a little digression there. No, but, I love that digression. <laughs> love, of course. Let's digress into love. <laughs> so, so let's let's um, then talk a little further about fear. How do, if someone comes to you and they're very fearful? They're they're a bundle of fears, dogs and planes and everything. How do you help them become less fearful? Do you, is there education involved in it, or is it is it mainly, mainly reconditioning them, or what do you do? 
Well, quite frankly, they already, you know, this person is already very intelligent anyway. They already know that the odds of dying in a plane crash are almost none. So typically, I my first question would be to ask them about their, their childhood, because I'm going to guess that the person who's got all these bundle of fears is probably pretty intuitive. Um, the reason I would suspect that is because somebody who's got all these fears has probably picked up fear from their mom, fear from their neighbor, fear from their dog. Oh, all right. Fears yep. from other people, they're very catchy. You know, you think that a fear is something you're born with? Uh-uh-uh, you learn it from somebody. You learn it from somebody most of the time. And unless it comes from a past life, which so is kind of rare. true. Yep. Yes. You, nine times out of ten, the person who's afraid of driving has somebody in their family or an ex-girlfriend, ex-boyfriend who was very afraid of driving and they picked it up. That's how it happened. And that person is probably pretty intuitive. So we even sometimes just hearing me tell, tell them, that, you know, I think you're pretty intuitive is very helpful because now they say, oh, you know what? It never felt like my fear. And now we're working on really? handing back the fears, handing back the fears to somebody else. We'll do that on an unconscious oh. level. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we'll do that. There's some. There's obviously some reconditioning. When I would also bring the person into a deep state of trance, which is what you experienced with with your friend, uh, Mr. Wright, and help them see instead instead of seeing a car and being scared, see a car and think of it as freedom. Think of it as oh, power. Okay. So now we're changing the association instead of thinking of a car as a dangerous place. Thinking of it as safe space. It's it's your sacred safe space, and it really is actually. Cars are amazing. Cars freedom. Cars power. Put some That's crystals right. in the in the little water cup holder, and and it's just this is your own little sanctuary. <laughs> I love it. I love my car. <laughs> oh, it is freedom, and I think I think people are. One good thing to come out of this may well be that people don't feel so guilty anymore about driving a car because that's obviously been important uh, to minimize the spread of the disease that people aren't on public transportation, and so. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, we could feel virtuous about driving our car. It'd be nice if it were not a gas guzzler, but still. Um, oh, isn't that fascinating? So, so you really can help people concretely with these fears, which often come from other people. Very frequently, they come from other people. They, they'll start with a person. The person may just be a little more anxious in general, uh, and I see a lot of that. People, some people are just you know, strung tighter than others, but t- even that person usually is pretty intuitive. So the intuitive person, part of it is accepting that they are intuitive and learning the different ways that's a gift because they can obviously see the curses right away when they're coming in and they're afraid of everything. Um, And also figuring out other ways of managing that intuition and seeing when something coming your way is a packet of information that's yours or a packet of information that comes from somebody else or that belongs to someone else. So part of Part of it, a lot of times with me, with my clients, that I have a, a little different approach than some of the more traditional hypnotherapists is that I want the client to see the bigger picture with this. If they are intuitive, how else can they use that power so that it's not becoming a fear or a phobia or anxiety? Believe it or not, we're coming toward the end of our time together this time. I think we're going to have to go back because I wanted to talk about a bunch of other things with you that I never even got to from the first 50 pages alone of your book. But you say that you're a medium as well. You are a medium to the public. People can come to you for a, a reading. Uh, hypnotherapy yes i do hypnotherapy and intuitive readings i don't do as much mediumship i mean i do see dead people no question but i (laughs) i haven't developed that skill as much as i have to to heal them do they come to you and say you know i've got this still got this fear can you fix my fear (laughs) you know what's funny is that i don't want a dead person pestering me 
Um, so I, if a client is getting an intuitive reading, like a psychic reading and dead grandma wants to tell their, their granddaughter that they're loved and that don't worry about your dog. I'm taking care of your dog. I will pass that message along, but I don't, it's it, when the session is over or before the session, if dead grandma shows up and says, Hey, you know, I just want to talk, you know, I'm sorry. You didn't book an appointment. <laughs> just like it. She didn't book an appointment. I just, oh joking. my goodness. But you know, you would say, then there's somebody listening is a medium or is, is learning and seeing dead people. And I want that person to know that you can tell them to go away. It's not, it's not okay. They make an appointment. <laughs> just like, and if you want to say, you know, come visit me, you can come to chat me, with me at nine o'clock on Thursday. That's fine. If you want to do that, that's fine. But you have to tell them and it's okay to tell them to go away because you're not doing that right now. Okay. But so you're telling me that you really, really loved, uh, clearly you love what you do with, with Absolutely. Uh, hypnotherapy. Super fun. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but you're saying you really don't like to communicate with the dead? Oh no, that's not true. I don't want them bothering me. Um, I don't want them waking me up at three o'clock in the morning uh, to tell my neighbor that uh, sh she's dating the wrong guy. I, that's not, no, that's not cool. They, do that. <laughs> they, they would if I said it was okay. <laughs> no, but uh, I don't want, I don't, I do a lot of psychic readings with clients and occasionally dead relatives will show up. And, but I don't do specifically mediumship readings with clients because there it. are people who are, who that's all they do, and they're really, really good at that. I'd rather them go to that person, if that makes sense. But yes, yes I do see a lot of I do see a lot of dead reading relatives come in usually during the context of a psychic reading. But if the other thing is, you know, I know people watch that medical that uh, long-eyed medium person on TV. It's really not okay to just go up to a stranger and say, "Hey, you know what? Can I just tell you? There's a dead lady standing right behind you, and she wants oh. you to know that the the purse that you're looking for is behind the bed." That's not cool <laughs> to go no, to a stranger I, that, and do that. There are, there are people who would be very distressed by that, actually. Absolutely. Me. I would be distressed. Don't come up to me and <laughs> you, tell me that my, yeah, right. my dead grandfather wants me to know something. No, I'll make an appointment if I want that information. I'll make an appointment with a professional I feel comfortable with. That's how you would do it. This has been so much fun. I, re I really have enjoyed talking with you. And we really have reached the end of our time now. Um, I, so is there one, something sort of quick that you'd like people to know especially I want people to know that at the end of the day it's all about love that it's all yeah. about loving yourself being in a place of love and acceptance of yourself not judging yourself for the things that are going on not being cruel to yourself uh, you know about eating oh, the brownies yeah. go and get some help if you need some but don't beat yourself up about it there's a reason you're doing it and you want to look at that reason but really at the end of the day beginning and end it's all about love the, uh, Kim's uh, website is soulconnecthypnotherapy.com, and it'll be in the notes to this program. This has been Yay. great. We're going to do this again because okay. we have a whole new section of the book we still have to talk about. But uh, I hope everyone, I hope you've enjoyed this. And I think hypnotherapy is a very promising field. I never believed in it before I did it with Peter. But now I think it's a wonderful, wonderful way to, be, to get into deeper connection with who you really are. And that's what's important if you're going to grow spiritually. So thank you so, so much. Okay, everybody. This has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. And I'm so glad you were with us today. And please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began, you never will end. And when you really get what that means, it's going to change everything in your life for the better.
Next week, we're going to be talking with Keith J. Clark, who will be here with us for the third time. Keith is an expert in the field of instrumental transcommunication, or ITC, which refers to the use of electronics to communicate with beings who are not at the moment in bodies. Eleven years ago, he, he began the iDigital Medium Team, which is a nonprofit organization devoted to research, education, and the preservation of data regarding life after death. The iDigital Medium Team is composed of volunteers from all over the world who take a deep interest in all these subjects with an emphasis on physical mediumship and instrumental transcommunication. Keith is going to tell us next week about the iDigital Medium Team's progress in recent years, and he's going to announce to us a live worldwide event that anyone can participate in. He's also going to talk about the battery, which is a term used, believe it or not, they have their own terms for things. This is a term used by non-physical personalities to describe the energy field they use to communicate with us via electronic equipment. So this is going to be fun. Please join us. And this week our guest has been Jill K. Thomas. What a ball of energy you are, Jill. She's an, an intuitive hypnotherapist, a clairvoyant reader, a medium, and a vocal channel. Obviously a very psychic per, psychic person, which to me is, is probably important in the kinds of things that she does. She helps people realize lifestyle and wellness goals that they couldn't have achieved before. She gets to the bottom of the reasons why perhaps you aren't achieving what you might want to achieve in life, which to me is a very important thing. Her books are Tales from the Trance, The Strange, The Sad, and The Solvable, and also Feed Your Real Hunger, The Getting Off the Emotional Treadmill That Keeps You Overweight. She maintains a, an online blog. Just go to her website, which is soulconnecthypnotherapy.com. And I, I think, frankly, if you have any kind of problem, there's probably some service she can perform that will help you with it. I'm kind of a convert at this point. Now, as you know, I have my own nonfiction books. I don't have time to recite them to you, but you can find them on my website. Um, and you also, of course, can find them on Amazon.com. If you want to talk about any of my books or anything at all, just contact me through the green contact block on robertagrimes.com. I answer every email. It usually takes me a few days now because I get so many. But I'm honored if you have a question that you think I can answer, and I do answer every email. Past episodes of Seek Reality are available on webtalkradio.net, which is my home realrevolutionradio.com, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and a number of other stations, including the wonderful people and, and group of stations in the, in the Dream Vision 7 radio family. And, of course, as many of you know, there's an, uh, an app you can get in the iTunes App Store for free, which will allow you to just automatically get each, um, each week's episodes. My dear friends, Meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy and make the most of this coming week in our one reality, knowing that you are a powerful, eternal being, and you in the whole universe, you in particular, are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything.